This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Welcome, gather round the fireside and listen to a tale of Yon McCool, Cullen, Deirdre of the Sorrows, Grow New Whale. From giants right down to fairies, of both the trooping and solitary, and those who are sometimes scary. Anything goes by the fireside. Yeah. Fireside, the Puka Fireside, Merrow Fireside. Kings and queens fighting heroes, don't you run from the fun, there's no need to hide. Sit by the fireside. Mm-hmm. Fireside. Hello and welcome to Fireside, the Irish storytelling podcast. Each episode of Fireside, we take a story from folklore and mythology, we retell it, have a chat about the tale itself and about the craft, the culture and the history of storytelling. My name is Kevin C. Olihan. I am your host and your Fireside bard. Welcome to episode 146 of Fireside. Today on the Irish Storytelling Podcast, we have another night's tale. It's a tale of jousting and adventure. This is the story of Geraint and the Knight of the Sparrowhawk. If this is your very first episode, why don't you listen to this? And if you enjoyed it, head back to the story of Pulk, Prince of David, and see our journey in the Mabinogion of Welsh mythology over the past couple of months. And if you enjoyed that, why don't you head right back to the very beginning, nearly 150 episodes and three years ago, to see the course of the journey of Fireside thus far. And if you're a returning listener, as always, thank you so much for your continued support. If you have not done so already, please do follow me over on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. And if you really want to support the podcast, you can do so over at Headstuff Plus on headstuffpodcast.com. The link is in the biography below. Where for as little as five euro a month, although you can pay more if you want, you can gain access to bonus material, not just for Fireside, but for all of the podcasts on the Heads of Podcast Network. And the latest piece of bonus material for this month is up. It is my video of the live show of Fireside Sessions from the Dublin Podcast Festival from two years ago. A video I've been sitting on for a good long while now. There's some great stuff in it. If you weren't able to make it to the show itself, why don't you go and check it out? That is there exclusively for listeners and subscribers of Headstuff Plus. But that is there if you so choose. And again, there is a very big announcement coming to from me that I'm very, very excited about that I've been sitting on for the last six or seven months now. Very excited to reveal it at the beginning of November now. That's coming very soon. Not just for the listeners of Headstuff Plus, but for all of you, although the listeners of Headstuff Plus might get it a little bit sooner. The story for this week is... This was another one that I had to divide into two stories, but they very much were two totally different stories. This is one of the three Welsh romances... So the Mabinogion is split into its 11 or 12 different stories. There's only about three or four, I think, there's this story and two more after this. And then we have covered the entirety of the Mabinogion, which is very, very exciting. Like it's, this is why I wanted to give it a total focus. I know some people were hoping to, some people might have missed the folktales in between and some people might hate the Welsh mythology and wish me that I would stick to my lane and just do Irish mythology. But for the most part, from some of the messages I've been getting on, it seems that a lot of you are still with me, which is 
really great because it really does feel like it was the right decision and the right course to go to and it feels like when we go back to Irish mythology now to continue to fill in the patchwork quilts of Irish mythology that we will be all the better for it for having seen the influence on Irish mythology in Welsh mythology and vice versa. And it's been very interesting and quite unexpected to have had these stories of King Arthur and for him to, while he's been mostly a smaller supporting character in all these stories, he's still been very regular and all of these stories start with Arthur's court. But the three Welsh romances are the story of Peredir, the story of Geraint, and the story of Chulch and Olwen, which will be the last story that we cover. But that said, Arthur has still managed to pop up in a good few of the others as well. Uh, I know I split Peredir into three, or was it four episodes? It was so recent and I've already forgotten that. But uh, he was certainly in the last episode, which was The Countess of the Fountain, and that isn't counted as one of the three Welsh romances so he's not just exclusively there but the three Welsh romances are noteworthy as some of the earliest text examples of of stories of King Arthur that's that's some of the earliest he's talking about even though he would have been in the oral tradition before that but Geraint is Arthur's cousin he's who we're going to meet today and he will be there will be two stories of Geraint this one of him and the next one about him and his wife who we will meet in this story I won't give away too much here we will chat more afterwards. This is the story of Geraint and the Knight of the Sparrowhawk on Fireside. Geraint and the Knight of the Sparrowhawk. Arthur was at his court when a young lad entered and asked to speak to the king. Welcome, friend, said Arthur. Come in and state your business. The young lad approached. Lord, my name is Madog, and I am one of your chief foresters in the forest of Dean. I come to you today because a magnificent white stag has been spotted in the forest. It does not run with other deer, so royal is its bearing. It seems only right, Lord, that such a creature should be hunted by a king. Arthur was delighted. Excellent. Thank you, Madog. We will have a hunt first thing tomorrow morning, and all the court will be invited. Let the steward be hanged if they are not in attendance. Guinevere, Arthur's wife, was sitting next to the king. Lord, if this is to be so spectacular a hunt, with your permission I would like to go as well. Certainly, lady. If you would like that, then you and all your handmaidens will be welcome. Next, Gwalchmai, Arthur's knight, approached the king. Lord, if all are welcome tomorrow, we should have a competition, that whoever catches the stag shall be allowed to cut its head off and give it as a gift to whoever he chooses, whether they be lover or friend. Arthur was quite satisfied with this, and after a sufficient amount of eating, drinking, and carousing, the entire court went to bed. The entire kingdom awoke at dawn the following morning, and horses and riding gear were prepared for all. One who did not wake, however, was Guinevere. "'Shall we wake her, lord?' asked a handmaiden of Arthur. "'No, the queen would rather sleep than bear witness to the hunt. I will catch the stag and present it as a gift to her later this evening.' An hour or so after Arthur and his retinue had left for the hunt, Guinevere finally awoke in a panic. Why did no one wake me? I never get to go to these hunts. 
Quick, prepare me a horse now, before the stag is caught. There were only two horses left in the court, one for Guinevere and one for one of her maidens. With great haste they rode from court towards the forest of Dean. When they came to a clearing, the two women could see another rider coming behind him, riding with great urgency. He soon passed by the two, and Guinevere called him to stop. "'Greetings, Geraint,' said Guinevere. "'I'm surprised you are not hunting with your cousin, Arthur.' "'I'm embarrassed to say it, lady, but I slept in. "'I did not know if they had left. "'The same thing happened to me, "'but we could not ask for a better riding partner than you. "'Geraint was the son of Erbin. "'Erbin was Arthur's uncle, "'making Geraint the king's first cousin. "'The three riders continued into the forest. "'Eventually they found more company.' But it was not Arthur's retinue. It was a beautiful maiden, a knight in glorious armour, and a stately dwarf. I do not recognise any of these three riders, said Guinevere. The queen then asked her handmaiden to ride ahead and find out who the knight was. The handmaiden was stopped by the dwarf. She asked, Sir, who is your lord? That is none of your concern, for you are not worthy of knowing. Well, if you won't tell me, I'll ask him myself. The handmaiden attempted to ride towards the knight, but the dwarf took out a whip from his belt and struck the woman across the face, leaving her bloodied and beaten. The handmaiden rode back to Guinevere in tears. A great dishonour has been done to you, and so to the queen of the king of the Britons, said Geraint and the knight rode towards the dwarf to avenge this wrong. Sir, said Geraint to the dwarf, you do not know what you have done. Who is your lord? A man of much higher esteem than you, far higher than for you to even know his name. I can guarantee you, sir, I have borne witness to men of as great a rank and higher than your lord. And with that... Geraint went to ride towards the mysterious knight, and the dwarf struck Geraint across the face with his whip. Geraint could barely see for the blood without and the rage within. But the young knight was in riding attire. He did not have his armour or his weapons. So Geraint swallowed his anger and rode back to Guinevere as the knight, his lady, and the dwarf rode off. You did the right thing, Geraint, said Guinevere. I have not yet... "'But I will do,' replied the knight. "'Lady, I will follow this strange knight. "'I will not rest until amends have been made for the wrong done to you.' Geraint was not long catching up with the knight, the lady and the dwarf. "'He followed them through and out of the forest "'into a town Geraint had never been to before. "'The young knight looked in the doors and the windows of the town "'to see if he recognised anyone, or indeed if anyone recognised him.' All the houses were full of men, sharpening swords, shields, and lances. The sound of hammer and tongue, smelting and shaping armor was deafening. Because he did not know anyone, Geraint continued riding until he came to an old and seemingly empty palace. Geraint entered and found it occupied by an old grey-haired man, his wife and daughter. Geraint introduced himself and asked to stay in the palace. 
Any knight of King Arthur is welcome here, said the old man. Thank you for your kindness, Lord, replied Geraint. Forgive my ignorance, but what is this land, and, and what is going on today? Believe it or not, the entire land used to be mine. My name is Earl Unwell, and I was lord over all of this land. But my brother was earl of a neighbouring land, and when he died, the earldom passed to his son. In my greed, I took the lands from my nephew. But when he grew himself, he took back both his own lands and mine. Now I live in poverty, unable to even provide for my own wife and daughter. The commotion you witness today is due to the tournament. The young earl hosts a joust every year for the prize of a sparrowhawk. All enter, but there has been the same victor for the past three years. If he wins one more time, he will become known as the Knight of the Sparrowhawk. Geraint realised this prospective Knight of the Sparrowhawk was the very knight he was pursuing. Lord, said Geraint, I seek vengeance upon that knight for an insult given to Guinevere, wife of Arthur. How may I enter the tournament myself? The old earl shook his head. To enter the tournament you would require a squire, and for the love of your life to stand by your side. And you, young sir, have neither. Lord, will you squire for me, and let your beautiful daughter stand by my side? If I win, I will marry her, and she will live in luxury in the court of Arthur. And if I lose, I will be killed, and she will maintain her dignity." The old earl wanted a better life for his daughter than he had been able to provide for her, so he agreed to Geraint's terms. You will need armour and weapons. You may have my own. The next morning the tournament began, and it seemed the mysterious knight was well on his way to becoming the knight of the Sparrowhawk. Every man who faced him was knocked from their horse, and those that survived were lucky to escape with their lives. Geraint wore the armour of the old earl, which was rusty and ill-fitting. Nevertheless, Geraint climbed his way through the ranks until finally he came face to face with the strange knight. Finally, Guinevere's honour could be fought for. Geraint and the knight were well matched. They each broke three lances and stayed on their horses. Every time a lance would break, the old earl would bring Geraint a new one, and the dwarf would bring one to the knight. But after three shattered lances, the old earl approached with one that was old as he was. Geraint, said the earl, this is the lance I received the day I was knighted. It has never broken and never failed me. Use this now and defeat the knight. The dwarf also brought his best lance to the mysterious knight. The two knights charged with furious intensity. Each lance made contact with the chestplate of their respective opponents, and both Geraint and the knight were knocked from their mounts. The knight of the Sparrowhawk had never been knocked from horseback. He was now nervous and ill-prepared, but Geraint loved to fight on foot. Swords were drawn and the duel began. 
Geraint had fortune on his side, and with a high blow, Geraint brought his sword down through the knight's helmet and flesh until it sliced his face and made contact with bone. The knight was defeated and begged for mercy. Geraint said, I will only spare you so that you may ride ahead to the court of Arthur, where you can apologize to the king and queen and beg their forgiveness. The dwarf helped carry the knight off to see the medic before he would journey to Arthur and to Guinevere. Geraint was declared the winner and was presented with the sprightly vicious sparrowhawk by the young earl of the land. This was the nephew of Earl Unwell, who had taken his uncle's lands. The young earl asked Geraint to come and stay in his fortress. Thank you, lord, said Geraint, but I would rather stay with Earl Unwell tonight, for I intend to marry his daughter, Enid. If you wish to pay me any honour or homage, I would ask that you relinquish the earldom to your uncle, the earldom that is rightfully his. The young earl said, My uncle was more than happy to take my lands when I was just a child. I know that, said Geraint. I do not ask you to give up what is yours, but give him back what is his, and let the matter be put to bed once and for all. The young earl agreed, and Unwell was restored to Earl of the Land. The next morning, Geraint and Enid left to return to King Arthur. Geraint wanted to present Enid to Guinevere, so the queen may dress her and give the couple her blessing to get married. Back at the hunt, it was Arthur himself who had killed the white stag. The animal was barely dead when Guinevere had arrived, but she told her husband what had happened, about the knight and the dwarf who had whipped her handmaiden and Geraint, and how Arthur's cousin had rode off to avenge Guinevere's honour. The queen said, Lord, as you yourself have caught the stag, do not present its head until Geraint returns. Arthur agreed, and the entire hunting party returned to court to await news of Geraint. It was not Arthur's cousin who arrived home first, but the knight whom Geraint had spared. He was still weak and not recovered from his injuries. "'Your Majesty,' said the knight, "'I come on behalf of Geraint "'to apologise for the wrong I did to you and your wife. "'I may or may not survive the injuries I have sustained, "'but if I do, I pledge my life to you.' "'Arthur said, "'If you die, then the insult will have been more than made up for "'with the price of your life.' If you survive, I accept your service and your apology. Soon after, Geraint and Enid arrived. A great feast was thrown to celebrate his return. He had defended Guinevere's honour, and the queen dressed Enid and presented the head of the white stag as a gift to them both. Geraint, knight of the Sparrowhawk, and Enid, daughter of Earl Unwell, were married and lived together at Arthur's court. Their marriage had just begun. Their story is to be continued. Folks, as you all know, Fireside is a proud son of the Headstuff Podcast Network, which is Ireland's largest network of independent podcasts and a loving home for the creative and indeed the curious. There are so many other podcasts I could recommend to you on the network, 
some of which inspired me to approach headstuff myself. Here's a taste of one you might enjoy. Agony Rants, coming soon to the Headstuff Podcast Network. Why can't I not say podcast? Hello, I'm Gerard Farrelly. And I'm Neve Kavanagh. And we have been friends for a very long time. And that is what we are offering you on our new podcast, Agony Rants. If you need a support group and want to tell us a secret. Or if you need someone to champion you or just cheer you up. Or maybe even some advice. On how to burn down a house or blow up your life or get revenge. So send your secrets, stories and problems to agonyrants at gmail.com. Agony Rants, coming soon to the Headstuff Podcast Network. Subscribe now wherever you get your podcasts. It sounds a little suggestive, I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah, it was a little bit. It's very Cadbury's Caramel Bunny. <laughs> and that's the tale of Geraint and the Night of the Sparrowhawk on Fireside. In the Chrétien de Troy Arthurian romances, which is the main text for the Arthurian legends, this story is known as, or Geraint is known as Eric. So the story is known as Eric and Enid because the the story of Geraint and Enid, which will be the next story that we do, um, is, is the more famous of the two. This is more kind of backstory of him. But I really liked I really liked the whole jousting tournament because if we're dealing with Arthurian knights and medieval lore, you know, there's a lot of jousting involved and this is, is our first proper like open combat. And it's really interesting to meet this character who isn't introduced, this is the first of these kind of characters who just rides into the story and everyone is expected just to know him, which really gives an impression of how famous a character Geraint was, which supposedly he was. He was a very, very, um, very, very influential character and heroic figure in in medieval society and in Welsh mythology. And so it, it seems only right he gets his own dedicated tale here. It's also nice that we have Guinevere as as a major character, really for the first time since we've been doing the Arthurian stories as well. Arthur himself is still relegated to being a minor supporting character, although it now has become such a habit and by rote that these stories just begin with Arthur's court with someone approaching the king and then the king just sets the cat amongst the pigeons, which I do really like. I like that kind of regularity of it. It's like a TV series. It's a familiar setting. We're going back to the cafe, back to the bar each time. Uh, while I think of it, a sparrow hawk was supposedly a very, very valuable bird to have at this time. If you haven't seen one, they are like, like their name exactly suggests, it's a very, very small hawk. It's not quite as small as a sparrow. But initially, when I thought when I was adapting this, I wondered was the the bird dead? You know, was it like the wren boys culture where uh, it's the present presentation of the dead wren? But no, it's a sparrowhawk who's very much alive. So it is for hunting as well, and this prestigious title of being the knight of the sparrowhawk. It's very fantasy and fetch quest y when uh, Geraint goes to avenge this dishonor done to Guinevere. We've had a couple of dwarf figures in in uh, in Welsh mythology as well, and the impression I get from from the sources that I've been reading is these seem to be dwarves more in the line of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs rather than like a, a person with dwarfism, um, which is which is interesting. Again, they're they're such a stock folklore character and fantasy race, you know, the likes of 
World of Warcraft and Dungeons and Dragons, all that kind of thing, like gnomes, elves, dwarves. Um, but it's interesting to encounter one here. We've encountered one in a couple of ways and minor ways, but uh, here we have this dwarf squiring for this mysterious knight and this beautiful maiden who is armed with this whip that bloodies and beats both Geraint and one of Guinevere's maidens, which kicks this whole event off. And you have Geraint going to this strange kingdom where he is unfamiliar with and even more strange, no one recognises him. He's even famous within the context of his own story. It's surprising to Geraint and surprising to us as an audience that people don't recognise this cousin of King Arthur. That's another reason, of course, why Geraint isn't introduced is because everyone certainly in the story already knows him because he's Arthur's family. His father is Arthur's uncle, which makes him his first cousin. Um, although you get the impression he's considerably younger. So he goes to this kingdom and finds this earl who had his own earldom and got greedy and stole his own nephews and then the nephew took his kingdom back and his uncle's. Fair enough. And yet we're supposed to root for this old earl who's lost everything because he has this beautiful daughter, Enid, who Geraint falls in love with and wants to marry. All through this this ploy, this ruse, that to enter this tournament, and this is kind of knight and chivalry culture all over, that you must go and you must have a squire and you must have the love of your life there to present the rose to at the end. It's all positively medieval and fantasy romance and all that kind of crack, which again is such a big departure from what we're used to on this podcast with Irish mythology, but is really very, very interesting to explore, to see as we spoke of before about the really foundations of the literary tradition. This is when the transition really starts to happen and everything starts to be written down and the oral tradition starts to go oral IP, which we are trying to resurrect with the likes of this podcast. But that makes it a very, very interesting thing to explore these these very stock elements of of chivalric culture and jousting and tournaments are a big part of that and Geraint seems to be one of the big champion jousters. And he defeats. Another example of how all of the stories in the Mabinogion seem to come from varying different sources and that they are by no means written by the same author and come from various different that could be generations apart that these stories were first committed. And it was only in the 13th century when they were actually collected um, in a in a solid text. And with the story of Peredir, we had examples where it was a lot more about the journeys and the detail was given to the journeys and the fights themselves were quite glossed over. We have a lot more detail of combat in this story. We have detail of the combat of of how of the bloody the bloodied face of the handmaiden being whipped by the dwarf and of the fight itself between Geraint and the prospective knight of the Sparrowhawk. We have the details of the three lances being shattered and Earl Unwell giving Geraint his own personal lance and the details of Geraint's armour being rusty and ill-fitted and them being knocked from their horses in fighting combat. That's done in so much more detail than some of these other stories have been in terms of the battle sequences. So it's another curious note on on how different kinds of stories these would have been and and the real ragtag collection of varying sources and various different types of storytelling styles and literary styles that the Mag- Mabinogion is. It is this this mongrel text, this mongrel collection of Welsh lore and I love it. I love it for that. 
But I will wrap things up there. This has been the story of Geraint and the Knight of the Sparrowhawk. There is one more part to it. There is a story of Geraint and Enid and his uh, Geraint and his wife and the adventures that they go on together. After that, we have two more. We have the dream of Ronabui, and then we have the story of Kulch and Olwen, which is uh, the earliest and most famous of the stories from the Mabinagion. Um, so I decided to leave that till the very last. It's the one that just seemed to have come up the very most. But before all of that, we will have our fireside Halloween special. Oh! Um, I have. I'm in the process of putting that together now. We'll record that next week, and we'll have that out for you. It'll be the fireside of our three. Is it fireside of our two, three? I think it is three, isn't it? Yeah, no, I've done two before. This is how long I've been doing this podcast now. They're all started to meld into one year. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are... Oh, yeah, all of that. Please do follow me on Instagram at FiresideBard. Email me at thefiresidebard at gmail.com. Please do subscribe to Heads the Plus if you're in a position to support the podcast, gain access to bonus material and early advances on all other sorts of fun. I'll see you all. You'll hear me all next time. And remember, wherever you are and wherever you go, you can always join me by the fireside. This show is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network, a hub for the creative and the curious. Shows are produced in association with Headstuff and the Podcast Studios Dublin. Find out more or become a member at headstuffpodcasts.com. 